When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I lived on a dirt road the first 20 years of my life. And let me tell you, it's pleasant. But when darkness falls and you're forced to take out the trash all the way down to the dumpster with miles upon miles of forest surrounding you, you'll begin to feel a little on edge, hoping that something isn't following you, that those footsteps you're hearing are all in your head. Welcome back to Unexplained Encounters. I'm your host, Darkness Prevails. This week, I've got some allegedly true and scary stories about dirt roads and the Great Lakes. Enjoy, and don't forget to post your stories on darkstories.org so I can narrate them on the show. Also, check out eeriecast.com for more unsettling shows, such as Freaky Folklore and Redwood Bureau. Plus, some new shows are on the way real soon. Now, let's begin. The Black-Eyed Girl From Anonymous At the time of writing this, it was last week that I had a very strange encounter with the BEC, or Black-Eyed Children. It was super creepy to say the least. I lost sleep over it. Now, I may get scared easily, but this was the first time I felt actual fear for my life. I live on a dirt road with not too many houses nearby. I only have a few neighbors, and one of them has kids. It's a really quiet place for the most part, and I used to like that. But ever since this incident occurred, I've been more paranoid than I usually am. It began on one April night. It was pretty warm for a night in the beginning week of April. I live in the south, so it's nothing new. Anyway, it was around 12.40 a.m., and I'm awake, just checking out my YouTube page and watching random stuff. Out of nowhere, I hear my big dog, Bella, beginning to growl at the front door. I have two dogs, three indoor cats, and one outdoor cat. And if you ask me, animals seem to be more sensitive to paranormal stuff than humans are. Anyway, Bella's growling was really unusual. She's a very friendly lab mix and never growls. So I look up from my computer and I could have sworn I saw something through the glass border around my front door. I tried to tell Bella to hush, since the walls were paper thin, and if she started barking, she'd easily wake the rest of my family. Luckily, Bella did calm down when she heard my voice, but she stayed put at the front door anyway. I thought everything was okay after that, but ten minutes later, not only was Bella growling again, but my cats were all staring at the front door not blinking for even a second. It's like they were seeing something that I could not see. 
This time, I got up from my bed, as my bed is in the living room for past medical reasons. And as I took a couple of steps to the door, I heard a light knocking sound. Bella started growling a little louder at this point, and I immediately felt on edge. There was something or someone on the other side of that door. At first, I thought it was a burglar, but our doors are always unlocked, and if that were the case, they would just barge in immediately. I cautiously took a few more steps, and I stood beside Bella. I looked outside, and I saw what looked to be an eight-year-old little girl. She was really pale and wore something that looked to be a 1950s school uniform. But that wasn't the scariest part about her. When I looked closer at her face, her eyes were black. Every single bit of her eyes, solid black. I felt my heart beginning to pound faster as she knocked again. Since there are two doors at the front entrance, I opened the inside door and asked her what she was doing out so late. She didn't answer me, but instead asked me if she could come in. What scared me was the way she asked it. There was a level of confidence in her tone that shouldn't have been there. Normally, if you're a kid, late at night, wanting help, you'd be nervous, you'd be scared, and that would be reflected in your tone of voice. But this girl spoke with confidence. I just stared at her for a few seconds before she asked again. This time, she said my first name, along with her question. I immediately locked the outside door and shut the inside door, locking it too before going to the door that led to the garage. As I was about to lock it, I heard her voice coming from the outside of the garage. She said, Please let me in, miss. I won't hurt you. This scared the crap out of me so much that I froze. After a minute which seemed like hours, I snapped out of my trance and locked the garage door. I then ran back to my bed, pulling the covers over myself like a frightened child. Still, I could hear her knocking every five seconds, asking to be let in. My cats were going nuts at this point, hissing at the doors. Bella was growling louder too. The animal's growling must have scared this little girl away because I no longer heard her knocking anymore. Naturally, I didn't sleep at all that night, and I couldn't sleep much for the next few days either, only falling asleep for an hour before waking up in a panic. Whenever I did fall asleep for that one hour, I swear I could hear her voice calling my name, and I could see those black eyes of hers. It's been a week since this happened and I haven't seen or heard from this strange girl again. I've read stories and knew enough to never let these children into your home. I'm glad I didn't. I have a feeling that if I did, I'd be locked in a mental hospital from going insane, or worse. I was glad to encounter a creature in the woods. From Anonymous. Long-time follower, first-time poster. I've always really enjoyed the outdoors, hiking and even more the thought of exploring old abandoned places. At a certain point, I got into researching about the mining history around where I lived and realized there were a lot of places I could still see. I live in Colorado, and the state had a mining boom in the early 20th century, which left a lot of abandoned mines behind. 
which is a perfect result for me. I try to avoid the kind of mines that are toured and well-kept. I look for the kind of mine which is deep in some remote part of the wilderness, where I know there will be nothing but me and that frozen moment of time when the place was abandoned. Unfortunately, a lot of these places collapse due to age, so for the most part, these expeditions are a big disappointment. You do so much research and preparation only to get to a pile of rubble. Needless to say, when an intact mine is found, I get full of excitement. In 2017, I finally found the perfect prospect. Deep into the mountains, 10 miles at the end of an old dirt road, sat a mine shaft seemingly intact from records and satellite imagery. It was secluded enough to have been kept the same since its last use. I got really excited with this find. The thought of being able to be the first person to visit a site in decades made me prepare for a scouting trip as soon as I possibly could. On that same week, I drove my car on an afternoon to the closed-off part of the road that leads to the mine with my bicycle and headed off. It was 10 miles each way through mountainous terrain, and as it was only a reconnaissance trip for now, I took nothing more than a bottle of water. It was a long bike ride there, but after biking up through some very old, steep, and hidden mining trails, I finally found the shaft. I was exhilarated when I saw it. Not only to have found it, but to actually be able to confirm that it was accessible and intact. The entrance itself had a lot of dirt from the mountain covering it, so the amount of space I had to get into it was barely enough for a person to be able to crawl through. The thought then came to me that the mine might possibly be filled because of the dirt, so I peeked inside to be able to see how it was. The walls looked fine, and I couldn't see the end of it, which is a good thing, since it means there's a lot to explore, and that's exactly what I look for. As I examined the tunnel, I could hear some distinct, heavy breathing noises. Black bears are not uncommon in the area, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of them was taking shelter in there from the heavy rains we get in the summertime. Having listened to enough of people's scary stories already, I decided it would be wiser to come back at a later time with more equipment, and hopefully whatever was in there would be gone by the time I came back. I hopped back on my bicycle and went back to my car, then I went home. After a few weeks had gone by, me and a buddy rounded up all the gear we needed. This time we drove out on our dirt bikes. We made the trip back right after school on the first Friday available. Same thing as last time. We drove up the dirt road, got on our bikes, and headed off towards the mine. By the time we got to the entrance, the sun was about to set. So we turned on our headlamps and first of all inspected the tunnel again. We were both relieved to not hear any signs of whatever animal it was that was there the last time I visited. So we began our exploration. We walked in and were amazed at what we saw. Almost intact shafts, signs of an old era, and pickaxes all around us. The tunnel kept on going for a long time, and even had a vertical shaft, which we explored for a bit. After exploring all that we could, we decided to finally pack up and drive back to the car, despite the fact that it was pitch black outside, and we had nothing but our headlamps to guide us back. Once we made it there, we breathed a sigh of relief and of accomplishment for finally having been able to explore the kind of mine that we were searching for. In all, it was a pretty tiring day, so before we loaded the motorcycles back up, we just sat around the car and talked for a bit 
Other cars drove past our turn on the dirt road every 15 minutes or so, but nothing unusual for the area, even for it being pretty late at night. One of the cars that was driving through was driving slower than usual, which we thought nothing of, until it turned off into where we were parked. Now, you have to understand that this turn we were on was very unknown to people, and it was a dead end, so it's not like people are going anywhere in particular when they park here, especially in the late hours of the night. Until that point, we thought nothing of it. Maybe they were parking to smoke something, or just to hang out. I don't know. So as they drove into the dead end, we stood up and turned our headlights on and looked at them, as to let them know that we were here, and to let them park without hitting my car. But as soon as they saw we were there, their vehicle stopped about five yards away from us. We waved at them and gestured to park over there, but nothing happened. The car just stayed there in front of us with the engine running, windows up, headlights shining on our faces. We began to realize that we were also hearing what sounded like muffled screams and banging coming from their trunk. My friend and I stood there, like an old western standoff against this other car both of us facing these people in a car in the middle of the woods at night. Now it was at this moment that I felt relieved to have met that creature on my mind scouting trip. You see, because it was there last time, and I wasn't sure if it'd be gone this time, I'd brought with me a pistol for protection in case anything happened. After what felt like the longest moments of my life, I remembered that and placed my hand over my pistol on my belt to signify to whoever was in that car that now they were making us feel not as friendly anymore. After a few seconds, when they noticed my sidearm, the car began to very slowly back up onto the main dirt road. It waited there a while and then drove off into the night. I kept my hand over my gun for a few seconds after that to make sure that they were really gone, and only then did I calm down. My friend and I sat down and asked each other, Dude, what the heck was that? After a few minutes, we collected ourselves and began to laugh about the whole thing, reasoning that it might have been just a bunch of college kids trying to find somewhere to camp and drink. Not long afterwards, we almost forgot about the whole thing and started talking about our little adventure in the mine, when suddenly, we hear a car drive by us about 20 minutes after our bizarre encounter. It begins to slow down and stops right before the turnout where we parked. It was that same car again. The car just stood there like it did before. Not a single thing was heard, and they just stayed there, parked. After a few minutes, they drove off, but this time my buddy and I looked at each other, and although neither of us said anything, I think we were both thinking the same thing, because we never loaded our bikes in the car as quick as we did then. As soon as we were back in the car, we sped off not wanting to see if we would have had a third encounter with whoever that was in the strange car in the middle of the woods. I've listened to a lot of Redditor's stories, but this was the first time I was glad to have met a creature in the woods. If it wasn't for whatever I'd ran into on that first scouting trip, I never would have brought my gun that night. And who knows, if that were the case, it might have ended up being me and my friend screaming from the trunk of that car. I've been back to that wooded area plenty of times since then, and nothing that bizarre has ever happened to me again, thankfully. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, 
would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The Figures in the Woods From Daniel underscore 7SE This happened to me a couple of weeks ago. It was a Friday, just like any other normal day at first. I made my plan to get off the bus at 4.20pm, then leave home for my friend's house at 5.30pm. So I got ready to go, and it was about 5.22. My mom asked me if I was walking, and I said yeah, but in reality I was walking to the woods to get the bike my friends let me use. The reason that I have to do this is because my grandma doesn't like my friends, or their stuff, on the property. So I grabbed my water, my knife, and gloves, then walked out into the woods. Eventually I got to the spot where I'd hid the bike. I got on and started towards my friend's house. My friend's place is a good 20-minute drive from my house. I figured I'd get the most out of my trip there and back by staying a couple of hours. I made it there around 6.10 and put the bike up against their house. I knocked on the door and they let me in. A couple of hours later, around 8.42pm, I was saying my goodbyes and I headed for home. Now by then, it was pitch black outside and all I had was my phone with me, along with my knife. I'm riding home, and I have to take a very sketchy road. After that, I have to cross a highway to get to the dirt road leading to my house. Whenever I turn on this road, I seem to always feel like I'm being watched from the woods and the fields. I stopped for but a moment to turn my phone light on. Then I continued to ride down the path slowly, but not too slow. I reached a stop sign and turned there. There I began the long ride down the dirt road to my house. About 10 minutes later, I got to the woods of my grandma's property. I heard then what sounded like human footsteps in the woods. At this point, I was very anxious. Then the noises stopped. I called out, Hello? Is anybody there? Silence was all I got in return until I began to hear the sound of moving bushes in front of me. What I saw still haunts me to this day. I saw a white figure, almost like a man, but his face was a bit off. His face was all stretched, like his head didn't fit or something. He had a hideous set of rotten teeth as he grinned at me from the bush. I knew I had to get in the woods to hide my bike, 
so I went on my other trail that leads to a fort that I'd made with dark green camo netting. But when I walked over towards that trail, it sounded like something was following me every move I made, because whenever I stopped, I heard it stop too. I got to the trail and I hesitated for a second before going in. I got the nerve to take four steps in. That's when I saw another figure. This one wasn't right either. It was eight feet tall, and this person was dressed in all black clothing, reminding me of the Grim Reaper. I froze, and I soon saw the thing's face turn to look at me. But by the time it looked at me, I had noped out of there and ran across the yard to the gun range we had. I put the bike behind the shed that was out there in the woods. After I did that, I began to walk to my house. But then I had the great idea to look back. I quickly regretted it. I saw multiple black figures in the woods this time. This was accompanied with a feeling that my life was in danger and I had to run. So I did. I didn't see them again that night, and that was my experience seeing those figures in the woods. The Demon at the Mosque From Dog's Rule This story is from my cousin who lives in Iran, and it's probably one of the scariest stories I've ever heard. My aunt has a home in a rural village in Zanjan, Iran. When I say rural, I really do mean rural. The closest store is a 30-minute drive on a dirt road. Her village is in the desert and has no Wi-Fi or electricity, so it's very easy to get bored there. My family and I will sometimes go over to her home and spend the night as a group. When my cousin was 16, he was staying in the village and got very bored. It was easy to get bored, since there wasn't really anything to do. My aunt told him that there was a mosque and graveyard nearby, but it was about a half-hour walk away. My cousin didn't mind. He just wanted something to do. He set out for his walk along the empty dirt road and eventually made it to the mosque. He spent some time exploring there and looking around, but eventually he found the graveyard. For some odd reason, he went around reading the names on the tombstones, it's important to note that he had begun reading names on tombstones in the afternoon. However, though it didn't feel like a long time, when he looked away from the tombstones, it was already midnight. He was in shock. He recalled thinking he'd only been there for 10 minutes. He quickly got up and began to make his way home, but something didn't seem right at all. After a bit of walking, my cousin noticed that he was lost in the pitch black dark, he quickly became more alert, trying to see if there was any way he could get directions. Then, in the distance, my cousin saw a man walking towards him down the dirt road. My cousin felt relieved. There was someone he could ask for help. As the man got closer, my cousin noticed he was carrying what seemed to be a baby, or at least something small in a baby's blanket. The man also had a very large stomach, was bald, and very ugly. When the man was about three feet away from my cousin, my cousin started to open his mouth to greet the man. But as soon as he did, the man disappeared, and he was nowhere to be seen. Frightened, my cousin paused, confused and scared. Suddenly, he heard hoofprints right behind him, 
It sounded like a small horse. My cousin looked back toward the sound. He saw the man walking away from him, but when he looked further down, the man didn't have human legs. Instead, he had hooves. My cousin screamed, and he ran as fast as he could, praying aloud as he did. He ran so far until he was out of breath. He stopped to catch his breath and spotted a group of women wearing black chadors, a Muslim all-black head covering that covers the whole body. The women were off in the distance to the side, sitting in a circle and praying. Suddenly, one of them got up and flew past him, so fast he could barely see it, like a huge gust of wind. Then she sat back down, praying. My cousin started to run and scream again. He ran and ran until he saw a car coming his way. He waved down the car and got a ride home from the driver. New Dogman Encounter From Devil Dog 4200 I live in the southern part of Georgia. This encounter took place in September of last year, 2020 as of writing this. I've always been a believer in the paranormal and other cryptids, mostly believing them to be creatures that haven't yet been proven to exist. When I was 16, I had an experience while driving that was posted to Dark Stories and featured on the Darkness Prevails YouTube channel. To recap, I was driving a red square body Nissan pickup on my way home from my girlfriend's house. As I was driving home, I noticed a black mass on the edge of the road that I assumed to be debris or an unfortunate dead animal, until this thing darted into the woods before I could blink. A few seconds down the road, something jumped into the bed of the truck and just started going ham back there. The only real look I got of the thing before it jumped out was its face. It was wolf-like, black fur, yellowish-orange eyes, and its head was far too big to be of a dog or coyote, not like the ones around here, and we don't have wolves. The day after my dad saw the damage and confronted me about it, I knew he wouldn't believe a great big dog attacked the truck, so I said a tree branch fell on top of it while I was driving. I know he didn't believe me, but he didn't protest either. Now on to my most recent encounter. Since then, I've finished my years at the Marine Corps, and currently work for a painter's union. However, due to global events, a lot of work is being postponed or altogether canceled, so I have a lot of time to spend with family. One family member in particular, my brother. For this, I'll call him Gator. One thing he enjoys doing is walking our grandfather's property, surrounding woods and dirt roads at night. It's a good way to clear our heads, talk, and catch up on things. This particular night, we walked the 10-acre field, then proceeded down the driveway to the dirt road. The house is out in the boondocks, so it's mostly fields or woods. The driveway is roughly a quarter mile, bordered by cedar trees on either side. The dirt road cuts left sharply and is bordered by thick woods on both sides. Halfway down the driveway, I began to notice just how eerily quiet it was. No crickets, frogs, or anything of the sort. I wasn't sure how I hadn't noticed it before, as we were already out for at least an hour. Anyone who hunts or spends a lot of time in wooded areas will know silence is nature's way of saying, something else is out here hunting. I asked Gator if he noticed, and he didn't say anything, just nodded. I couldn't help but notice he continued looking over his shoulder. 
We continued on down the dirt road, albeit a bit more cautiously, until we grew complacent with the silence and began to talk again. We went on like this for another half hour, talking about games, cars, girls, and randomly generated topics. Gator was in the middle of speaking when I heard leaves crunching from our left. I stopped to listen, but then there was nothing. I asked Gator if he had heard it, and he said no. At this point, we continued walking silently. This time, he heard it, but I didn't. The faint sound of someone stepping through the leaves next to him. We decided not to test our luck and turned to head back when we heard the leaves rustling violently now as though something ran back into the woods. Despite not hearing or seeing anything, I felt as if something was watching me, waiting for me to slip up or lag behind. Gator could feel it too, and that feeling persisted all the way back into the house. Once inside, we calmed down and decided to play some Call of Duty. Not any of the new stuff, but we decided to play a throwback to World at War Zombies. We're geeks, I know, but it's fun nonetheless. We played for hours, until around 2.30am, when I went out to my truck to get my phone charger. I made my way over to the back door leading out into the field, where the cedar tree-lined driveway was to the right. My truck was roughly 50 yards from the door. As I stepped outside, it immediately felt off, as though danger was waiting for me. I brushed it off, ignored the silence, and walked through the yard into the field where it was parked. But before even touching the handle of the vehicle door, I heard a grunt-like huff from the edge of the cedar trees lining the driveway. I assumed it was a deer, but I looked over, and when I did, I was petrified. Standing just outside the tree line in the moonlight was that face. Black fur, wolfish head, yellowish-orange eyes. This time, I could see it in full view on all fours. It really did look like a huge wolf, and it was staring right at me. I just knew it had to be the same one. I wanted to run, but then I watched it stand up on two legs, and somehow, I found it even harder to move. Judging from its face, I know it's hard to believe, but I swear it recognized me. It remembered me. With a low growl, it took a small step towards me. Now that I look back on this, I think it was testing my aggressiveness like some dogs or wolves would. I still couldn't budge. However, when this thing curled its wolfish lips into what I can only describe as a sadistic smile, I finally broke and ran back into the house, forgetting my charger. It didn't even try to chase me. I feel like it was toying with me. After some time to calm down, I finally explained to Gator what I saw. He didn't call me crazy, and he didn't disbelieve me. I've grown up around the paranormal. I've imagined what I saw in my truck rearview mirror, wondering what it could have possibly been, wondering what it was I saw that night. But I hope I never have to see it again. Just because something hasn't been proven to exist doesn't mean it's not out there. After all, the gorilla was folklore for nearly 100 years before it was proven to exist. There are things out there, and some of them are the stuff of nightmares. My Seventh Birthday From Anonymous 
I'm from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, really right next to Lake Superior. You could probably guess back in 1991 there really wasn't much crime there. My parents, as well as other parents, always let their children wander either alone or in groups. I was born in June, and so every summer my birthdays were always outside, at the beach, or barbecue-type parties that usually lasted all day. That year, my seventh birthday was no different from the others. That was the year we decided we'd go to the next town over, just a couple miles away, to a place called Alqual Recreation Area. It was off the highway a bit with an elementary school on the same property. It's a big place. There were lots of trees to climb, trails to walk, and a big pavilion you could use for parties. Lots of playground equipment too that was older, but was still considered safe to use and fun. There was a small paved kind of wide bike path that wound around the whole place. It was a favorite place to go for sure. While my parents were setting up at the pavilion, some family were just starting to arrive. I could tell my brother was getting tired of playing with his little sister. So I asked my mom if it was alright if I just sort of walked down the bike path a ways, just a bit over the hill. Sure, just stay close where we can see you. I remember her saying that to me. Okay. And that was it. I left my brother to hang with the cousins while I walked off on my own a bit. It was such a sunny, bright afternoon. There really was no darkness on the bike path. But I didn't see the white pickup truck parked on the bike path until I'd actually got to the bottom of the hill, out of my mom's sight. Why I kept walking towards it, I have no idea. I remember seeing that truck, an older type of truck, maybe a 60s style with a cap over the truck bed. I could see it over the roof of the truck as I was walking towards the front of it. There was a man I could see sitting on the bench that the truck was pulled up alongside. He looked like Santa to me, and he was whittling a piece of wood. I got pretty close and was going to turn around, when I was surprised by a little girl. Hi! She popped out from behind the truck and practically screamed it at me. The old man didn't even look up. I looked at him, and he just kept whittling. This little girl was so enthusiastic, and she was smiling. Now, this is a small town. Everyone looks fairly familiar. But I'd never seen this truck, nor these two people before. Still, I smiled back and said hi. I remember we had some unmemorable kid talk when she quickly said, Oh, hey, want to see something great? I answered, sure. The girl very excitedly started to tell me the grandfather, who was the whittler on the bench, had built her and her brother a little space in the back of the truck. She wanted me to see it. I was a pretty shy kid that got picked on a lot, and I think I was so desperate for a friend, I didn't even think about how I've never seen them before, or any other dangers or red flags. Seven-year-old me was just happy to have a possible new friend. Maybe her family just moved there, and this would be my chance to have a friend this summer. She took me around the back of the truck, where the tailgate and the window to the cap were already open. We both climbed in. I went as far back on my hands and knees as I could in front of her. Somehow, she had closed the tailgate and the window in one motion. I don't even know how she could have done this, 
she was so small and only seemed maybe a little bit older than me. I just stupidly shrugged it off. There was a bucket with crayons and pencils and a tiny table and a tiny set of chairs. I, for whatever reason, expected more. I said something along the lines of, Oh, okay, this looks nice. Well, my mom is going to be looking for me, so I think I should get going. Then I started to reach for... Wait, I didn't know how to open this from the inside. The girl went from happy to a weird, creepy smile. She suddenly didn't look like a little girl anymore. I started to feel that, uh-oh, feeling you have when you know you screwed up. I tried to put my hands on the window of the truck topper, and every time I did this, the girl would laugh a really creepy laugh, swatting my hands away. I was really crying at this point, and I started to bang on a small side window on the topper to get the old man's attention. At that point, as the girl's laughing is growing, along with my panic, the old man proceeds to get up and put the stick in his pocket. I thought, great, he's going to get me out. But he didn't. He didn't go towards the back of the truck at all. He started walking around the front of it. I began to scream at the top of my lungs. This girl just kept laughing. I still remember her face as she laughed at me, telling me I could not leave. As I was sitting there gasping now and looking around frantically, I could hear my mom's voice. I jumped around the girl and quickly banged and screamed as loud as I could on the side of the topper. I could see my mother at the front of the truck talking to the man who didn't seem like he cared about much when she heard me. Thank goodness she did. She immediately walked around the back, letting me out of the truck. I jumped out and she grabbed me as the truck started and this girl and old man drove away quickly. I really can't say what happened after that. I know my mom and dad calmed me down, and my dad and some uncles tried to follow the truck after my mom told everyone what happened. But nothing ever came of it. Nowadays, I'm always cautious of new places, and I'm always looking for an escape route just in case. I never get into cars with people I don't know. Looking back, maybe my seven-year-old brain just thought the girl looked like a little girl. Maybe she was just someone who aged really well, keeping her youth longer than others. Maybe she was just a young-looking woman. She was a bit taller than me. Why did the man not say anything? How did this girl get the tailgate closed so quickly and easily? Who knows if they would have been working together to take children. But I know without a doubt if my mom had not come looking for me, I would have been gone. This happened a few years ago. There's some background before we get to the lake part. I feel like everything before it is important. I was about 14 to 15 and we were going to a family campground in Michigan for a family reunion with my dad's side of the family. We do this every year, drive a couple of hours, say hellos to family we haven't seen since last year and get unpacked. Everything was normal this time around. We hung out and fished in the pond that was in front of the cabins. Soon it got dark and my sister and I and a couple of my cousins decided to walk around the pond to the playground. It wasn't that far, maybe a couple of hundred feet at most. It was within whistling distance, 
if that can be used as a unit of measurement. My dad's cousin, who we'll call C, likes to whistle at us to get us to come back to the cabins. A single note, high and sharp. It was dark and we were using the flashlights on our phones to see. We went down the slides, climbed the jungle gym thing, then my cousin, who we'll call B, decided that we should tell ghost stories. Random nonsense that we've heard and were repeating to each other, such as La Llorona, Bigfoot, Skinwalkers, etc. Soon we walked back around the pond to the cabins, because we heard C whistle at us. We spent maybe an hour around the campfire before we were all off to bed. The cabins we were staying in had two rooms. Each room had a single window. The room where the door from the outside enters contains a mini-fridge, a small table with two chairs, a microwave, and a fairly sized bed. I'm not sure how bed sizes work, so I'm just going to guess it was a queen size. The other room had two bunk beds. I woke up suddenly. I was sleeping on the top bunk. I'm not sure what time it was as my phone was charging on the windowsill but it was dark. I was lying on my side facing the wall. I didn't really notice what woke me at first. Everything seemed normal. That was until I noticed a pressure on my head above my ear. It felt like a hand was being slightly pressed down. I first thought that it was my sister, so I quickly raised my hand to try and grab who was touching me. My hand hit empty air. I sat up and turned to see if my sister was standing there, but she was sleeping on the other top bunk across the room. There was no way she could have gotten from beside my bunk bed to up on hers without making any noise. I slowly laid back down, looking around the room, but seeing nothing besides our suitcases on the floor. I wasn't about to get up to look in the bunk under mine, so I just stayed there. I'm not sure when I fell back to sleep, but soon it was morning. Throughout the morning, everything was fine until around maybe 1 or 2 p.m. I started getting a headache on the side of my head, above my ear. I took some Tylenol and everything went back to normal, and I went swimming. Now, this is where the title of the story comes in. We were in the pond. There was a floating dock in the middle, and we were jumping from it. I had jumped a few seconds ago myself and was now watching my cousins jump in before I climbed back up the dock. It happened suddenly. Two hands came down on the top of my head, shoving me under, but not holding. I came up slightly, sputtering and wiping water from my eyes. No one was near me. No one was close enough to have shoved me under. No one saw anything either. I did not feel okay with swimming more after that, so I just swam back to shore. We're going back to that campground this summer, and nothing more ever happened on that day or since. Hopefully, it stays that way. Wendigo Encounter From Rissa I'm a 16-year-old girl, this story happened around November of last year, as of writing this, at my grandparents' house in upstate New York. Behind their house is farmland, and behind that are many acres of thick woods. There are several trails that have been created through these woods for walking or four-wheeling. I've been going on these trails all my life, 
and I've never truly felt that there is anything to be afraid of out there. On the day this story takes place, we were at my grandparents' house to celebrate my aunt's birthday. Anytime we visit there, my cousins and I always go into the woods to hang out and talk. On this occasion, it was just me and one of my cousins, Grace. As we breached the tree line, everything felt normal. However, when we were probably half a mile into the trail, something felt off. My instincts were telling me something was wrong. It felt different than the usual paranoia I mentioned earlier. It felt like I had a real reason to be afraid. I didn't mention anything to Grace about this feeling, because she would probably just call me paranoid. As we kept walking, the feeling didn't ebb. Further into our walk, I swear I heard movement within the trees. I started to feel like we were being watched. Alarm bells were going off in my head. I was about to tell Grace that I think we should turn back, but her attention was focused on one side of the trail and the trees. She stopped walking and said, What is that? While pointing into the trees. I tried to see what she was seeing, but I told her that I couldn't see anything. Grace is taller than me, so perhaps she had a better view than I did. There's a deer over there, she explained slowly creeping into the trees, trying to stay quiet. I told her that I think we should go, because I was still freaked out. She replied, telling me to stop talking so I wouldn't scare the deer away. I could barely see her as she made her way closer to the supposed deer that I couldn't see. I was looking around myself, because Grace's absence made me feel even more scared. But then, I heard her scream. My heart sank in my chest. After that was the approaching sound of her moving and breaking branches as she ran back toward the trail. She came into view not too long after, and I could finally see what she saw, and it wasn't a deer. It was this extremely pale, humanoid creature. It had the head of a deer, and it was pursuing her. I was frozen in place until Grace returned to the trail and she screamed for me to run, breaking my paralysis. I didn't dare look behind me. Together, we ran away from this creature, but I could still hear it chasing us. We managed to break through the trees into the field without it catching us. After that, I could no longer hear it until we made it to the house. I believe what Grace and I encountered that day was a wendigo. It fits the physical description, and we were in the Great Lakes region, which is where they're said to exist. And if that's the case, I know it could have caught us and killed us if it wanted to, and I still wonder why it didn't. Grace and I have tried to tell our other cousins about what we saw as a sort of warning, but understandably they don't believe us. I hope they never have to experience what we did. One thing's for sure, I'll never return to those woods. Creature in the Water From MML 16 My fiancé and I rented an Airbnb on Lake Superior in Minnesota. It's a beautiful small cabin with a great view of Lake Superior. To get down to the lake, you have to go down a steep hill with stairs going down it. The first night went smooth. We had a fire on the beach until about midnight. 
When we were heading back, about to go back up the stairs, I heard a big splash in the water. I couldn't see anything because of how dark it was, but I had a bad, creepy feeling coming over me. My fiancé just said it's most likely a fish that jumped out. The next morning, we went back down to the beach to go kayaking on the lake, but when we got down there, everything was thrown around and messed with. The little storage garage was opened, and the paddles for the kayaks were broken. I noticed footprints in the sand going into the water. If you've never been to Lake Superior, it's extremely cold, and after a couple of minutes, your body gets completely frozen while swimming in it. I was confused as to why a person would do this. Was it a prank or something else? We got new paddles and went kayaking on the lake. It was fun until something big began hitting our kayaks. I was freaking out, and my fiancé just said it's a big fish, most likely, chasing little fish. I tried to believe him and tried to calm down until I saw this shadow in the water. This wasn't a normal shadow for a fish, because it was more human in shape. I'm sure my fiancé saw it too, because I heard him say, What the heck? Then his kayak got hit really hard. He was nearly flipped into the water. He looked at me and said, Paddle, fast, get to the shore. We were about a mile and a half off of shore, but we made it back to shore pretty quickly. Back on shore, my fiancé looked at me and said, We're not going back in that water. We aren't having a fire tonight either. We're staying inside for the rest of the day. I asked him what he saw, but he said I don't want to know. Later that night, about one in the morning, I woke up to go use the bathroom. The bathroom is next to the kitchen slash living room, and in the living room, there's huge windows that look out over the lake. After I went to the bathroom, I went to the couch and looked out the window. It was a pretty quiet night. After about five minutes of watching, I heard something walking around outside. It sounded like it was walking on two legs and breathing heavily, like it just got done running for a while. That's when I got a bad feeling, but I just had to check it out. I wanted to know for sure what it was, so I went over to the front door to look out of it. I was looking around until I spotted it. It was next to our car, looking right at me. It had yellowish-white eyes, and it looked to be at least seven feet tall. I couldn't see much more because it was so dark. I was staring at this thing for a while. It was like we were having a staring contest. Then I heard this thing speak to me. It said my name in my fiancé's voice, and it began to come closer to the door, repeating my name. My actual fiancé must have been up, because while I was backing up, I ran into him, scaring the crap out of me even more. He whispered to me, I saw those eyes looking up at me in the water today. He continued, Get in the bathroom, now. We're leaving as soon as the sun comes up tomorrow. We stayed in the bathroom all night, and we didn't sleep because this thing was walking around the cabin all night, repeatedly saying my name, banging and scratching at the cabin walls. Finally, it stopped around 3.30 to 4 in the morning. 
When the sun came up, we packed up everything and we went outside. The cabin had big scratch marks all over it. Our car had dents and scratches as well. My fiance was mad, but he didn't want to stick around much longer. A couple months later, I saw on Facebook that that cabin had burned down and the owner sold the property. It makes me wonder if the owner knew what was in the water. All I know is I'm not staying in a cabin on Lake Superior again. We were followed from Anonymous. My family and I took a vacation to visit some relatives three hours away from our city. It's a tradition we do every year in July or August. They live in a house along one of the Great Lakes. That means their house is about 30 minutes or so away from their city. I'll also note that my relatives own their own store in town, which they go to every weekday. One of the days we were visiting, my parents, my brother, and I decided to go check out their shop, since they recently relocated buildings due to owning multiple ones. When we arrived, we had to park at the back of the building in an alleyway. The building is on a street corner, so there's a road that runs along the front of the store and no parking lot because of the multiple other buildings around and attached buildings. I'm not too great at explaining things, so bear with me. We turned left to pull into the alleyway and parked beside my great-uncle's truck at the direct back of the building. As we were getting out, my 86-year-old great-grandmother pulled into the alleyway as well to visit my great-uncle at the store, something she does every day. We were happy to see her, so we slowed down our walking as she pulled into a spot. At that moment, I noticed a girl come out from one of the back doors of one of the houses in the alleyway. She was a native girl with a shaved head, and she was as big as my dad, who was around 250 to 300 pounds. He's a big guy. She appeared to be mumbling to herself and kicked at the ground. I assumed maybe she had an argument with someone and was just letting off some steam. We started walking down the alley to where we pulled in, because in order to get to the front of the store, you have to go back to where you pulled in, turn left, then turn left again where the storefronts are. At this point, the lady was now walking towards us, screaming gibberish at the top of her lungs, stumbling a bit. I was caught off guard. I kid you not, it was complete gibberish. My brother was rounding the corner out of the alleyway. I was walking beside my mom, and we were giving each other weird, nervous glances. My dad was farther back near the woman, and my great-grandmother was exiting her car. My mom and I slowed down to just let this woman pass us, but it was clear she was headed for us. We continued walking, picking up pace a little bit. She ended up getting extremely close to my mom and I, and we were almost pressed up against the brick wall, walking. She was still screaming in gibberish. My dad picked up his pace behind us and yelled, Keep your distance, please, to this wacko. Then she turned around and started right for my dad. My mom and I walked faster, rounding a corner. We caught up with my brother, then rounded the next corner to the storefronts. Now this woman was walking directly beside my father, still screaming in gibberish. I turned around to see that, and I noticed that she wasn't wearing shoes. I also noticed my dad had a really annoyed face. I turned back around then. My mom, my brother, and I began to laugh nervously. We reached the front of the store finally and hurried inside to see my great-uncle talking to a customer. 
I was expecting this crazy woman to follow us inside and for something worse to happen. But when my dad entered, she looked in the store and decided to continue down the road. A little frightened, we all had a good laugh about it, but I was trembling. For all we knew, that girl could have had a knife or something worse. She could have done some real damage considering her size, too. Personally, I think she was on something, but my dad seems to think that she just had mental problems. But heck, maybe it was both. After all, that area of town where the store was wasn't the best part of town. My great uncle told us that one of the houses in that alleyway is a substance den, censoring that for YouTube. And I think this encounter confirmed it. My dad admitted to my mom and I that he got really nervous too when she started coming near us, so that's why he yelled to get her attention on him. He wanted to keep her away from us, but just ignored her also. Just then, my great-grandmother, who wasn't anywhere around for any of this, came into the room from one of the back rooms. Where were you? My mom asked. I came in through the back door, she replied. There was a back door the entire time. We didn't know about it, and we could have avoided all of this. That was one of the funniest, weirdest, and creepiest encounters with a stranger in my life. As for that seemingly deranged person, let's never meet again. Fear on Black Beach, Minnesota From MNBL This happened a few years ago. It still haunts me and my dad. It was in August or September. I became an apprentice to my dad, who's a professional photographer. We got a call from a model that wanted to take pictures up on the North Shore. That following week, we met with her and drove up to Silver Bay. To those unfamiliar with Silver Bay, there are stories surrounding it of shipwrecks and odd things that happen in that area. My father and I believe ourselves to be empaths, this will be relevant later on. That day we got to Black Beach at 8pm. We started our photo shoot a few hours later. Seemingly out of nowhere, I got this sharp pain on the right side of my head. Then I saw a vision of a sailor's death. My father noticed something was wrong with me. Even the model seemed to notice how heavy the atmosphere had gotten. Then suddenly there was the sound of a cannon firing off. That was followed shortly after by the sound of a screaming man in the distance. That wasn't all. There was another sound, like coyotes or something howling and running towards us, but we couldn't see them. As we left the beach, I remember seeing that same sailor walking on my left side, and on the right side of his head was wooden shrapnel. I couldn't budge this feeling like we were supposed to get out, like something wanted us to leave. So we piled into the truck, and as we drove off, both me and my dad saw multiple sailors standing on the edge of the woods. Even after six years, the both of us still wonder if they were helping, or they were the cause of that deep fear that we felt that night. With that, we're at the end of this week's episode of Unexplained Encounters. Don't worry, I'll be back soon with more scary stories for you to enjoy. If you don't like to wait, subscribe to Darkness Prevails on YouTube to catch new stories sooner. If you want to hear me read your story, send it to me at darkstories.org. 
before I go, help us spread the word and reach new listeners. Just share this podcast with your friends and family, follow us on Spotify, and or review us on iTunes. Thank you. Until next time, everyone, remember, this world is a strange one. So stay safe out there and stay creepy.